insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. All right, we're back. This is hour three and the number to call. If you want to be on the program, you can agree, disagree, not sure, need a second opinion, want to discuss, whatever it may be, call this number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. That number is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. And uh, emails go to patrick at relevantradio.com. Back to the phones. Let's start off with Richard in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Patrick. So, uh, can I just make a quick comment on that yeah. uh, on that Dr. Leventino uh, speech? Yeah. Um, so, um, me and my wife, um, we've been married for 14 years, and uh, every time I hear him talk, Dr. Leventino, it breaks my heart because we've been dealing with 14 years of infertility, mm-hmm. and it takes an hour for uh, a couple to end a pregnancy of an unwanted child, mm-hmm. and we want a child. And it's just, it's careless because they don't understand the consequences behind it, you know, and and, we can't, they can choose to do that, but we can't choose to get pregnant. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to be pregnant. So any couple out there that's considering abortion, please don't. It's, I'd be given up for adoption. And, you know, the Lord has blessed us in a, in a way different than what we thought we have. uh, We're actually fostering a child right now. So he's blessed us, our family, in that way, I'll Patrick. Bet. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we got to pick him up from the NICU, and he's been in our care since October. And it's uh, it's it's something our marriage was lacking. And it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> children bring so much joy. And don't get me wrong, it's not easy, and it's uh, it's never easy. And anybody with kids knows it's not easy, you know, the uh, sleepless nights and the the uh, the colds and the and just everything about it child is not easy but you know we wouldn't we wouldn't give it up for anything else so yeah that's um, i'm sorry that you're in this situation and lord knows that you and your wife really want to have a child and i i will pray with you that that actually happens i'm curious have you ever looked into napro technology and and how they very often can remedy problems like this yes we have we actually did napro for uh we we did napro and you know we did the charting systems and everything mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. uh my wife just a couple of years ago had her thyroid removed she was having some thyroid problems and so mm-hmm. uh they we thought maybe that was the that was the case but you know mm-hmm. uh, it's only the lord knows you know and we're carrying this cross together and it's uh, made us stronger as a couple you know it's it yeah. hasn't been easy but we're, we're uh, with God in the, between our marriage, you know, in between us, there's nothing we can't do and overcome. That's beautiful. What a great spirit. Well, Richard, so, thank you. And we will all pray for you. This is the desire of your heart, you and your wife, and we'll pray that God grants you that. Can I ask you a question? I actually, yeah. why I was calling? Sure. So I have a bunch of Protestant friends and, uh, how can I explain to him when we, you know, we say St. Paul, they call him Paul, you know, but mm-hmm. we call him St. Paul. How do I explain to him, and maybe you can recommend some books and or some articles I can give them to uh, possibly explain why we call them saints? Sure. Well, I mean, I wrote an article on that topic. I could refer you to that, first of all. That's free, and it's called Any Friend of God's is a Friend of Mine. Okay. If you want to get that, it's available in a PDF format. 
just go to the show page, relevantradio.com slash Patrick, and under links, you'll see where the articles are. And uh, that's where you'll find it. So it's called Any Friend of God's is a Friend of Mine. And I give a biblical overview of what the Bible teaches about the communion of saints and what does it mean to be a saint, that kind of thing. So that would be maybe the easiest and most comprehensive resource I can recommend in the moment. But simply put, it's a Protestant custom, and not all Protestants do this. I don't mean to say that because it's not monolithic. But generally, those low-church Protestants, Baptists, um, Reformed to some extent, even though they're a little higher church, uh, Calvary Chapel people, people like that, to say the word saint would be too Catholic. So they would say Paul or Augustine or Peter, because they that's the custom in that world. And also, I think the reason it's the custom is because to say St. Paul or St. Peter or whoever, to them, it's just a little too Catholic. So they, they don't use the same term. I think ultimately that's probably what it boils down to, Richard. Well, okay. thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick, for all your prayers and for what you guys do at Relevant Radio. I appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, best wishes to you and your wife. Now, again, if you want that article, it's called Any Friend of God's is a Friend of Mine. Just go to relevantradio.com slash Patrick. Click on links, and you'll find it there in the article section. Let's go to Nicole now, listening in Round Rock, Texas. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Patrick. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, so I, I had a question. My My kids were asking me um, if dogs can love. And my son is 11 years old, and mm-hmm. my daughter um, is seven. So mm-hmm. we were kind of having a little bit of a theological discussion about this. And my son said, well, why don't you just call Interrelevant Radio and ask them? <laughs> so we were wondering what uh, your thoughts were on that. I would say yes, dogs can love. Now, we, we wouldn't go so far as to say that animals in general or dogs, you know, the dogs certainly are among the higher animals. So they have, clearly, they have emotions. They experience sadness. They experience fear. They experience joy and love. And all, many of the things that we experience, they do. So I don't think we could deny that dogs have that kind of reaction to an owner that they particularly love. I wouldn't go so far, however, to say that it is love at the same level as a human being can love somebody or love God. Um, Dogs, um, they, they don't have the capacity to love in the abstract. So, you know, they can't ponder, for example, God or human beings in general, per se. They don't have that level of self-awareness. So unlike human beings Mm -hmm. who do, dogs cannot love in the abstract that way. But when they see the owner, or the the human, let's say, whom they have this deep devotion to, they do express in their own way the kind of love that they do feel. I'm thinking, Nicole, as as you asked me this question about a video I saw just yesterday on Twitter, and it shows, uh, it's like a barnyard, and there's a girl who appears to be maybe 12 years old, 13 years old. She's standing at the, at the fence looking into the corral, and a donkey uh, comes out from around the corner, and this is a donkey that she raised when it was a newborn. And the donkey mm-hmm. sees her, 
and comes over to her and is, you know, as donkeys do, you know, the braying sound that they make. And this donkey was just so happy and putting his head on her shoulder and trying to express in his own way, I guess it was a he, I don't know, uh, his emotional reaction to seeing this girl again. I've also, and maybe you've seen these two, Nicole, on 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 YouTube, you can find them. They're they're everywhere. Pictures of dogs who have been reunited with an owner that they haven't seen for a long time, and they just go mm-hmm. wild. They just they can't contain themselves. They're so happy, and they're jumping, and their tails are wagging, and they're just trying to you know get close to this human being. So that's a long answer to a short question, but I think yes, in their own way, yes, dogs do love. Okay, all right. My son understands that you know, to love is to will the good of the other. And so I think he was confused and, and trying to figure out like, you know, can dogs really do that? Well, that's what I was referring to um, earlier. Maybe I should have said it a little more explicitly. And that is that they, they don't have the capacity to love at the level that human beings do. And human beings, of course, Mm -hmm. they do, um, when when they understand what true love is, they do will the good of the other person. There can be disordered loves that don't involve seeking the good of the other person, but true love, in that sense, dogs, they they will want to show their love to the other person. We've all seen the Lassie programs from back in the day and how mm-hmm. Lassie saves the kid because the kid is stuck and Lassie has to go and bark to be understood, to lead the the parents to, to go find the kid, things like that. So, I mean, dogs can do things like that. But I, I would say that they don't have in their mind a conscious idea of the good or, you know, kind of an altruistic, abstract concept of doing the good. I don't think dogs have that capacity. But in the moment, okay, yeah. they can seek to do a good thing for the human that they love. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And um, I appreciate the call. Thank you. These are important questions. 888-914-9149. How about Gilbert now in Santa Fe, New Mexico? Good morning, Gilbert. Yeah, good morning, Patrick. Thank you for the work that you do. I appreciate it. Learn a lot from you. Thank you. You know, you were talking about Dr. Lavatino and, you know, uh, years ago we went to one of his presentations and it is terrific and it's very graphic. He actually had forceps and explained the, the, the procedure and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my question to you is that, you know, uh, on uh, this last week, a week ago, Wednesday, they had the Sanctity of Life Day here in New Mexico. And the okay. three bishops were there, including Bishop Wall, who you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, my concern I'm a big was fan that, of Bishop Wall. Yeah. He's terrific. But, you know, and, and it's interesting because uh, I've always gone. They have it every year. This year, uh, the attendance was not that great. And I, my fear is that because Roe was overturned, but it was given to the states, that a lot of people think it's done, but it's not. New Mexico has gotten worse. And you were talking about uh, Biden, uh, who claims to be Catholic. Our governor claims to be Catholic. And her goal is to codify abortion and it's very concerning to me that people uh that people weren't there i was surprised and i think that people need to wear be aware that uh it's not over and uh, new mexico is getting yeah. way way more people 
having abortions, uh, the number has increased greatly. And I thought I was asking, wanting to ask you what you thought about uh, what people should do, what people should think, and what direction we should yeah. take. You know, one thing I can recommend: it's practical, it's free, it doesn't cost you anything, and that is to become a relevant radio parish ambassador. And the reason that this is directly to your question, Gilbert, is because here at Relevant Radio, we are 24-7 not only teaching the truth about Jesus and his church and all that, but also carrying the pro-life banner from conception and natural death, praying the memorares, instructing people, playing for all to hear Dr. Anthony Levitino's testimony and things like that. So if you are not already a Relevant Radio ambassador, I would encourage you to do that because you can raise consciousness at your parish level and maybe get other people in the area at other parishes in the Archdiocese of Santa Fe to start listening. And the more that people listen, the more galvanized they will become. It's just a matter of numbers. So that's one... Yeah, that's one practical, easy, free way that you can do this. Anyone listening can do it. And if you're interested, Gilbert, just go to relevantradio.com slash, well, even just that, just relevantradio.com. And when you get there, you want to click on support and, well, actually mouse over it, and you'll see where it says become a parish ambassador. And it's easy. I'm a parish ambassador at my parish. So it's easy to do. We provide all of the materials. Everything is free. Lots of good support resources. There's a a bullet point checklist here of what's involved. Uh, Basically a modest amount of time. We reckon it's about 15 hours a year. I think most people could donate 15 hours a year, but it's a way for you to get the word out. And it'll help the parish and parishes that really support Relevant Radio by just by letting people know about it, uh, they tend to thrive. So try that, Gilbert, and um, I hope that it works well for you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Therese now in Palace Heights, Illinois. Hi, Therese. Good morning, Patrick. I have a question, please. Mm-hmm. Sure. How do the adults convey the message to girls that, you are to not have premarital sex, but if something goes awry, we mm-hmm. will support you and our family's baby. How do you send, how do you instruct girls both ways? Yeah. Without encouraging them or appearing to encourage them to be promiscuous? Is that what you mean? Yeah, you're, yes, they're, yes, yes, mm-hmm. in a word. Yeah, because it's like saying, well, honey, don't do this, <clears throat> don't do this bad thing, this immoral thing. But if you do, here's a pill or a condom or something like that. It sends a mixed message. Well, no, I, what I'm saying, Patrick, is we all, I learned when I was getting my Catholic formation as a child um, to, you know, stay pure for marriage. But if there that were not to happen and there were to be a pregnancy i i was never told but if anything goes wrong please we're here and i just don't know i, I how do we get mm-hmm. them both messages across we'll help you but you really shouldn't do this right well i mean i i understand and that's what i was saying in other words it would be the equivalent of telling your daughter you know, don't do this, but if it happens, here's a pill, 
you know, an abortion pill or here's, you know, an abortion. I understand exactly what you mean, Therese. And it would be person-specific, it seems to me. So if you have a teenage daughter who is not exhibiting any indication that she's, you know, doing things that could lead to that, you could just tell her. You know, I, I know you're on the straight and narrow. I know that you're a virtuous girl, and I love you for it, and I'm proud of you. And I'll always love you. And I'll always, you know, do everything I can to try to help you and support you. But I'm glad that you know the things that you shouldn't do, because obviously we don't support those things. We don't support abortion or anything like that. But I'm so proud of you, honey, because you're living the right kind of life. You know, maybe you can just approach it from that positive reinforcement standpoint. And mm-hmm. and along the way, you know, remind her that abortion is evil and that kind of thing. But the message is that I will always love you. And even if you were to do something terrible that would destroy another life or even your own life, I would still love you. But boy, oh boy, am I glad that you're not that kind of person who would do something like that. So endorse them up front. Yeah, or, you know, like, yes, exactly. In other words, you're affirming her virtue. Mm -hmm. And maybe she's thinking to herself, well, gosh, my mom doesn't even know what's really going on in the background. And and that's even more important than that she's hearing you tell her how much you love her and you would always love her no matter what she did, but how terrible it would be and how and how sad it would be for her if she were to do something terrible like have an abortion. That way you're giving both messages simultaneously. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's very helpful. Oh, you're most welcome. And God bless you and your your daughters, your family. It's a very Thank special you, thing, isn't it? You know, when you're as you're raising daughters to instill in them this sense of the importance of of life and motherhood and boy, this is society our, our culture is so stacked against us right now. So more well, power to I you, just, Therese. Can I add something? If I yeah. yeah. The only thing I would tell you without uh, boring your audience with my personal life is what saved me was my Catholic formation mm-hmm. and my offspring it was my Catholic formation. After all the conversation, the end of the day, my Catholic formation. That's beautiful. That's the name of the game. It's your Catholic formation. So thank you very kindly. You're welcome. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, what does the Bible say? Something about train up a child in the way he should go, and when he grows up, he will not depart from it. And in actual fact, of course, we know from experience that many people do depart from the truth, but if you've trained them well, the likelihood of them returning to the truth in due time is quite high, quite good. 888-914-9149. Quick time out, and we'll come right back. Here's a note real quickly from uh, Valjean, who says, I never missed the show. I could hardly listen to Dr. Levitino's account, but please replay it weekly. Make sure we hear it again and again and again so we can reach more and more people. I agree. And I'll be right back. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester. An Illinois life insurance company not available in all states. 
Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. Let's see. Let's get back to the phones. We'll start off with uh, John in Santa Paula, California. Hi, John. Hi. Good morning, Patrick. Hi. Um, I don't have I, I don't have a question, but I was listening this morning, and there was a gentleman who he had a foster child, and he had some fertility issues in his yeah. marriage. Right. And we also, my wife and I, also had issues um, about twenty five years ago. And I was just going to tell him if I don't know what his issues are, but we contacted Dr. Hilgers in Omaha, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and he was able to help us with our fertility issues. And uh, we were able to conceive uh, our second son. That's wonderful. Now, did that involve NAPRO technology or was it the Hilgers method of NFP or or what did he help with? Uh, Well, my wife had an ectopic pregnancy, so she only had Mm -hmm. one tube left Mm -hmm. and it was blocked. So he was able to unblock the tube, and then we were able to conceive our second son. So I don't know what his issues are, but I, and and I don't know if he's yeah, oh, thank you, and I don't know if he's contacted Dr. Hilders or not, but he was able to help us. So I just thought I'd pass that along to him. That's kind it's of called it. the St. Yeah. Paul, yeah, the St. Paul the Sixth Institute in Omaha, Nebraska. Excellent advice. Well, thank you for that, John, and I'm glad to know that God was able to bless you with bless you and your wife with another child. That's beautiful. Not that he was able to. Of course, God can do whatever he wants to do, but I'm glad that you and your wife received that beautiful blessing. Thank you for that. Uh, let's go to Marla now in Westland, Michigan. Hi, Marla. Yes. Good morning. Yeah, hi. Hi. Good morning. Um, hi. Um, Yes. Um, I have two questions. One is about a Bible that I've had since 19, given to me by a person who was a Baptist. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was going through things, and I used the Bible throughout the years. And then one day, I just looked at it. I was through with it. And I wanted to go get a Catholic Bible. By the way, I was going to the Catholic Church even more, con- being more consistent. Uh-huh. Now, this okay. Bible, yeah, yeah, I'm more into it and into the Latin Mass, too, as well. I don't know too much about it, mm-hmm. but I just go along with it, and I know the Lord is even working deeper. And I'm not going to say one better over the other, but mm-hmm. the question is about the Bible that I have. I showed it to someone because I wanted to give it away, because I didn't want to throw it away. But mm-hmm. she said it's been used so much. For the first couple of pages, they're not biblical in there. It's just a introduction. It's mm-hmm. very frayed. And the cover is off, the front cover. Can I throw it away, or do I bury it? Well, if you had a backyard barbecue or fire pit or something like that, I would burn it. That way it's... okay. Yeah. Go nobody ahead. can get at. No, nobody. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, it's not that. Just maybe a better way to put it would be the traditional means of of disposing of something that has been blessed. Now, I don't know that that Baptist Bible, King James Bible, was ever blessed, but it's still the Bible. I mean, it's still a version of God's holy word in Scripture, so it deserves respect as a result. 
but the traditional ways of disposing of things like sacramentals would be to either bury them or burn them. So you could bury that Bible. You okay. could burn it. You wouldn't be committing a sin if you were to put it in the trash can. But I think, you know, I could understand why you might feel uncomfortable about that, in which case I would suggest just burn it. And then it's no longer okay. something you have to worry about. Now, what about the front cover? Burn that too, the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, if you could, if it can be salvaged, I mean, there's some people who could salvage it. I'm thinking about Sacred Heart Major Seminary, which is as a crow flies. If you're in Westland, it's probably no more than a dozen, you know, 15 miles away from you. And uh, they have a large academic library. So, I mean, one one thought would be you could send it to the librarian and say, I'd like to donate this if you think it's something you could use. They might have okay. a use for it, okay. you know? Okay. All right. I, I think I know where that is at. The other question, thank you. Mm -hmm. The other question is Catholic in Recovery, 12-step mm -hmm. program. Is there a phone number, if I go online, that I can... Um, yeah, it's Catholic in Recovery. Check me on this, Cyrus, please. CatholicInRecovery.org. Is that right, Cyrus? I uh, just want to double check it. Catholic in Recovery. I'm typing in as fast as I can. You know what? I imagine you got a D in typing in high school, I'm Cyrus. Actually, uh, <laughs> Catholic in Recovery. Catholic in Recovery. Dot. Oh, in Recovery. Dot. Dot. Com. Tell me. Yes, dot com. Dot com. There you have okay. it, Marlon. Lickety Catholic. split. <laughs> Just like lightning or something. Uh, so, yes, Marla, catholicandrecovery.com. It is now a national organization, and that's where you'll find all the information that you need. Thank you. Let's go to Joanne now in Belen, or I'm sorry, Belen, New Mexico. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. Yes, welcome. My question is, yesterday on the program you stated that if we die and go to heaven, that we will recognize our loved ones there. Yes. My question is, what if one of our loved ones are, aren't there? Are we going to know that? I think so, yeah. Especially after the general resurrection, we will know, because all those the things will be made public. But I mean, just like now we die. Yeah, I think so. I think you'd know it. So let's say your next door neighbor went to hell. Uh, I, I think you would in some way be able to know that. As sad well, as that would just be. say it's like a son or a daughter or, you know... Mm -hmm. How would you be happy knowing that they didn't make it? Well, you wouldn't be happy knowing they didn't make it. You'd be happy knowing that God's justice was revealed. And I know okay. it's counterintuitive. Believe me, I mean, in this life, it's a it's a horrifying thought to imagine a son or a daughter going to hell. So I, I understand the nature of your question. But in heaven, the blessed see God face to face, and they see the truth as it really is. And we will be praising God for his mercy to us, first and foremost, of course, but we'll also be praising God for his justice. And okay. we won't take pleasure in knowing that a son or a daughter has gone to hell, God forbid, but we will not be pained by it. We will not be sorrowful. We won't be up in heaven moping around, well, I can't because enjoy this. There, and if we made it there, that's going to be our mentality. I mean, that's what we're made for. Yes. I mean, in heaven, as well, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon of, on the Mount? 
He said, blessed are those who weep, for they shall be comforted. The Bible also talks about how every tear shall be wiped away. So if one is grieving in this life, and we don't, and I think it's merciful on God's part that he doesn't reveal to us if loved ones have gone to hell, mercifully he spares us from that knowledge. And I'm glad of that. Um, But if you get to heaven and you realize, uh uh-oh, that person I love very much and my family did not go to heaven, he went to hell, in a way that I can't explain because it's not explained to us in the Bible or in apostolic tradition, but we do know it's true that in heaven there will be no sorrow, there will be no tears, there will be no moping around or any of those things. We will be fully joyful. And that must therefore include being joyful in the knowledge that not everybody made it to heaven. And that doesn't mean we will take pleasure in the fact that so-and-so didn't make it to heaven, but we will not, our, our joy will not be diminished by knowing that those people didn't make it to heaven. It's hard to, to try to imagine that, but in heaven they are able to do things and experience things far beyond anything we can in this life. Okay, I you got know? it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Do you have a loved one who died that you're worried about him or her? I had a son that died three years ago. Mm-hmm. My condolences. Well, there's always hope. Now, obviously, we can't change the decision. We can't change. If somebody dies in the state of mortal sin and goes to hell, that's a done deal, and that's that person's own fault. We can't change that. But what you can change with your prayers is even back in time before your beloved son died, your prayers now, the Lord can certainly have applied them to your son in those moments, hours, days before right. his death. Because God knows no time. Right, exactly. He's outside of time. So it doesn't mean that we can change what has already happened, but because God's outside of time, your prayers now are certainly able to be applied to your son before he died. I know it sounds hard to imagine, but it's true, because God can do that. And then if it should be that your son did die in the state of grace, then obviously you want to continue praying for him because he may be in purgatory, which is why we always pray for the souls in purgatory. We don't know who they are. That's why we always pray for the souls of the faithful departed. Well, my condolences, Joanne. I hope that's helpful to you. Thank you. Uh, Let's go to Norma now in Los Angeles. Hi, Norma. Good morning, Patrick. I just wanted to make a comment with regard to the lady who had called about the young ladies. Um, I'm a counselor at a local pregnancy center, and there there are counselors there that will actually uh, counsel with regard to um, waiting until marriage um, to have sex. And Mm -hmm. uh, the parent can come in with the child, and, you know, you just want to have that talk before they start having sex. Uh, We also sometimes counsel them with regard to um, how contraceptive is not good for them. Yeah. Um, and also, it- how do they respond to that when you start raising these topics about virtue and things like that with them? Probably, maybe for some of them, they've never heard anything like that before. How do they react to it? Very well received. Very well received, both from um, sometimes even girls from the high school. They they have to do like a project or something, mm-hmm. and they have to explain the pros and the cons of abortion. So they'll come in there and they'll talk to us about it. And pregnancy centers even have um, somebody like an abstinence speaker and they will go to your local school to talk to them. And obviously 
since we're here in California, sometimes that doesn't, you know, they don't let us go to public schools and stuff. But I mean, I, I encourage everybody to, to say that they want, you know, in their school, an abstinence speaker so that they can yeah. go talk to them as well, you know, because it's, it's only fair because they get educated on condoms and all these other things at such a young age. So it's only fair to also let us go in there and speak in, at the schools too. So I just wanted to, yeah. you know, give that resource out there. We do have to to teach them virtue from the time they can begin to understand it, from the time it's age appropriate. So thank you, Norma, and all the people with you who are doing what you're doing to help these young women understand the other side of the story. Thank you for that. I appreciate the call, too. This would be a great time to take a quick time out. We'll come back right after this. If you wanted to call, there's still some time yet in this hour. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Brad in Milwaukee wrote in to say, all life is sacred, even those in the womb. Maybe this truth with how an abortion goes needs to be displayed in front of the clinics, word for word displayed, something to get the truth out there. Thank you for that, Brad. I'll be right back. This hour supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the nation's largest Catholic-oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com slash join. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash join. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. All right. Welcome back. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Ann now in Illinois. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Patrick. Um, I just have a comment, a couple comments, and I wanted to commend you for uh, advising people who have been involved in any way in an abortion that they should be going to confession. Mm-hmm. Um, I received a, a, a copy of a pastor's message from a, in, a parish in Florida where the pastor wrote in there that the church cannot tell us who to vote for, but as... Mm-hmm. Your pastor, he says, I have a responsibility to make sure that your conscience are formed properly and adequately, so you can vote, you know, with the with the for the right for the uh, with the clear conscience. Mm-hmm. So he says, if a political candidate running for office as president, senator, congressman, governor, or mayor endorses, promotes, and encourages intrinsic evil, which he describes as abortion, euthanasia embryonic stem cell research, research, same-sex marriage, they are by nature intrinsically evil. He says, the pastor says, no matter what other goods are offered in in their platform, one must seriously reflect on the moral principle when one cannot choose evil to bring about good. But then I also came across online an examination of conscience by Father Robert Altier, and he's, he lists in this he lists um, mortal sins by commandment, and under the fifth commandment, he mentions procure, procurement of abortion, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. promoting counseling or paying for an abortion and knowingly voting for someone who is pro-abortion is a mortal mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that from a priest before. And, you know, you certainly don't hear it in, on, in the pulpits. So I just wanted to I do. bring that I hear it all the time in pulpits. Uh, and not to be querulous, <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. But I can tell you, over 35 years of traveling this country, coast to coast, big cities, small towns, and everywhere in between, hundreds if not thousands of parishes that I've been in, I've heard countless priests and many bishops preaching exactly that. And um, I'm glad of it. Now, there are certainly many priests who either remain silent out of fear or they, um, they actually don't believe that, and therefore they don't say what you're what you're saying but i've heard many mm-hmm. priests say that publicly at church from the pulpit so okay, if you're well, not hearing it I where mean, you are at least hopefully that gives you some hope and encouragement that there are priests out there who are speaking up thankfully good okay thank you yeah. patrick you're welcome thank you yeah we've got a lot of work to do just because roe versus wade was overturned i mean we're not on easy street anymore that's for sure and if anything, things are just really getting started in terms of the the ongoing fight to defend unborn life and life in general from conception to natural death. Let's go to Peter now in San Jose, California. Hi, Peter. Hello. Thank you for taking my call, Patrick. You're welcome. So I, my comment um, about abortion has to do with everyone who is against abortion believes that the soul bonds with the body at the moment of conception. And everyone who supports abortion does not believe that. They believe the soul bonds with the body at the, at the point of birth, at delivery. Some do. Not all pro-abortion people hold that view, just to be fair. Some will acknowledge, yeah, yeah that's an unborn person, but I don't care. I have the right to have an abortion if that's what I want. So maybe it's the case that most people, and this is probably because they've never really thought it through, or they're just close to the facts. Maybe most people hold that view that human life begins at a later stage. You know, it's just a clump of cells. But I have met people who actually will admit, yeah, I know that's a human being, but I'm going to kill it anyway. Sad to say. Hmm. Okay, I've never met anyone with that perspective. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so all of that being the case. Was the mm-hmm. the focus ahead. should really be to convince the general population that the soul bonds with the body at the moment of conception. Right. Because the people who don't believe that are going to think you're nuts. Well, yeah, we've talked to plenty of those people. That's true, Peter. So I invariably make a point of saying, because life begins at conception, abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human life. That human life looks different at the various stages, you know, as a, as a, a zygote and, a, and an embryo and a fetus and a 30-year-old and a 60-year-old. I mean, that human person will look different at each stage of development, but it's still the same person. So I'm with you, and that's why I've always tried to say human life begins at conception. Therefore, abortion is the wanton killing of an innocent human life. You and I are on the same yeah. page. 
See, because there's a lot of people who believe it's like the the body is the temple of the spirit, and that in an unborn state, it is like a new house under construction or a new car under construction. And yeah, that I know the, arguments. the owner of that house or the owner of that car doesn't take possession until delivery. Yeah. And that, of course, is a silly argument. It's not really, um, it doesn't correspond to the reality of a pregnancy because a car is a, an inanimate object, it's a possession. An unborn baby is not an inanimate object and it's not a possession. And I know you know this, Peter, but it's worth saying out loud here that that unborn baby is a, a human being with an intrinsic right to life. And it's not like, or he or she is not like a kidney or some organ in the body. It's not the woman's body. You know, my body, my choice. Yeah, okay, up to a point. But that child inside your body is not part of you. It has, this child, boy or girl, has unique DNA is a separate human being who happens to be relying upon you for his own existence for nine months, but it's not a part of you in, in a strict sense the way an, uh, a, an organ would be. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate the call. Important stuff, by the way. Uh, let's get quickly to Cynthia waiting patiently in Dallas. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I want to respond to Therese who called earlier about how do we help our kids you know, learn about the pro-life message, but also mm -hmm. know that, that we'll always take care of them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I have four adult children that are just new adults. And, you know, we've tried training them up. We were in scouting. We were involved in their faith formation. I want to encourage parents to really be involved in walking the walk. You know, do those that, and you can tell I'm nervous. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, how, just in the interest of time, how would you summarize the point you want to make? Do something about it. Be involved. Show your children compassion. Show your children that being pro-life is about loving the mother and loving the baby. Mm -hmm. So, you know, go to, a, go to a clinic. Help. Do some help. You know, you can be involved in your youth ministry and encourage those ministers to be bold and to, you know, take action. Yeah. Send your kids to pro-life camp. Um, but also, you know, it's great to outsource. Do something yourself because then your child knows you mean it. Mm -hmm. Then your child sees you being Jesus and knowing and trusting you that you really mean it for, for them, for their friends, for other people you don't know, but that mm -hmm. it's all about love. It's just about love. Yeah. And... I know it can be hard, and we are pressed for time, but it's worth it. And you're leading by example. In other words, you're teaching by example, by by actually doing something, serving, helping. You're demonstrating mm -hmm. with your own actions and time what you're, what you're... In other words, it's not, not just what I'm saying, but what I'm doing that you're teaching your children, right? Yeah, because, you know, it is a sacrifice when people have to give of themselves to save their own babies sometimes, and they think it's just Very they true. can't do it. But Very we true. have to, to demonstrate sacrifice from the beginning to the end, from the small to the large, just to show it's worth it. I couldn't That's agree more. That's what we're more. being asked to do as a Catholic. Well, your, your children, your young adult children, are very fortunate to have you as their mom. I can tell.
Thank you. Thank You're you. God. Thanks for the call, Cynthia. Yeah, and God bless you too. I appreciate it. It's interesting, Cynthia. Uh, thanks for the call. This note just came in very much on point of what you're talking about. This is from Martine, who says, um, well, I, <laughs> she asked me not to say her name, and I just said her name. So I will not read her email Whoops. because she doesn't want me to say her name. But I will say that your email, Martine, uh, it underscores the point that, that uh, Catherine was making just now. Thank you. Uh, let's go now. I'm sorry, Cynthia. Let's go to Catherine in Northeast Ohio. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Patrick Madrid, and God reward you and make your apostolate fruitful. Thank you. I'm calling because as a as a participant in 40 Days for Life, I have been asked multiple times by both Catholic and non-Catholic people um, who encounter us at the 40 Days for Life campaigns. What is the status, please, on Father Frank Pavone? Um, there's There are things circulating online that describe him um, causing an event where a pre-born baby was placed on a, on a Catholic altar mm-hmm. and that Father offered a Mass and that it was described as being unfortunate um, and that his faculties as a Catholic priest were therefore removed. Is this I can give you an update. I, I think I could please, sure I think I could clarify for you. So I'll I'll begin by just saying that for so many years Father Frank Pavone, who is now Mr. Frank Pavone, I'll get to that in a minute, but he, he did excellent work tireless efforts on behalf of unborn children and their mothers and children after they're born. So um, he did a lot of really wonderful work that should not be left unacknowledged. He had a long history of difficulty with the bishop of his diocese. He was in the Diocese of Amarillo, and that's where he went after he was in the New York Archdiocese for a while. And there was a lot of friction and difficulty between the bishop and the priest and all of the details, or at least many of the details, from both perspectives have been released publicly. So if you did a little bit of Googling, you'd be able to read the bishop's statement and uh, Frank Pavone's statement on the issue. And there were other issues that were involved, and you, you just have to read through it to see what was said on both sides. Now, the result of all of that was that uh, he was laicized and this was something that was done by decree by the Vatican under the authority of the Pope. That happened a couple of years ago, um, maybe a year and a half ago, something like that. So that meant that he he was no longer a priest. Now, ontologically, once a priest, always a priest, but he was no longer allowed to function as a priest, celebrate the sacraments as priests would do, or present himself as a priest, or call himself Father Frank Pavone and so on. So he complied with that. I mean, he he on social media goes as Frank Pavone now. That's what I've seen on Twitter and elsewhere. So that's where things stand. In the eyes of the church, uh, he's no longer a a priest. He's been laicized. Now, the issue of the Mass that he celebrated with the fetus, the aborted fetus, that is true. That did happen. I saw the video 
And I publicly spoke out against it when it happened. And that's going back now several more years. And I, I raised my voice in a respectful way, but I raised my voice and I said, I, I think that was a mistake. And that's not the kind of thing that you should do. It's going to cause problems. And I actually had a conversation, a brief one, with uh, Father Frank about that at that time, Father Frank. Uh, and so I explained to him why I held the view that I did, didn't diminish my admiration for the good work that he had done. But um, he and I didn't see eye to eye on that issue. But in the months leading up to his laicization, that video and that incident with the aborted fetus being placed on, it was a sort of a makeshift altar. I, as I understand it, it took place in the offices of, of Priests for Life. So it wasn't like a true altar in a church. It was a table, I guess it was, that was used as an altar in the offices, as I recall. But that too was part of the controversy surrounding the things that led up to his laicization. So uh, that's how I can put it in a nutshell. But there, all of this stuff is out there on the internet, both from Father or from Frank Pavone's perspective, as well as from the bishop and other people who had talked about it. So I don't know that I would recommend that you spend your time going through all of those unpleasant details, but if you wanted to do so, they are out there. And we should um, pray for Frank Pavone, pray for the ongoing work of protecting unborn children, and with gratitude for all those people, especially those whose names are not known publicly, who are doing what they can to try to help. Thank you. Uh, let's go, let's see if we have time, let's go to Claudia in San Antonio. We, we're short on time, Claudia, but let's see what we can do. Okay, hello. Hi. I'm just calling in regards to prayers regarding my health. Okay. I've sought several opinions, and it all comes back to that they, the doctors cannot help me. Okay. And it just gives me a sense of hopelessness, you know, that uh, maybe I'm mm -hmm. questioning whether my prayers are even working, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm reminded, Claudia, of what Jesus said. He said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, mm -hmm. and knock and the door shall be opened to you. I'm sure you've thought about that many times. Yes, so, many, many times. Yeah, I would just keep knocking at that door. Lord, mm -hmm. I'm asking you for healing. I'm asking you for health. If it's your will, Lord, I'm waiting for you to answer my prayer. And I'll wait patiently, but I'm waiting, Lord. And you told me to knock mm -hmm. at the door, and I'm knocking and knocking and knocking. Please answer. And if, Lord, the answer is no, then please give me the grace to be courageous and, and loving and accepting this cross that you're giving to me. And, and he will give you the answer to your prayer in due time, Claudia. I'm sure of that. And we'll be praying for you, and I'll be praying for you too. Thank you. Until tomorrow, I'll pray for you. Please pray for me. God bless you.